Today, I'd like to welcome to the PodMD studio, Dr. Deirdre Percy. Deirdre is an experienced obstetrician and gynecologist with a special interest in high-risk and normal pregnancy, pre-pregnancy planning, and sexual health. Today, we'll be discussing the topic of menopause. We do hope that you enjoy this podcast, but please remember that the advice given here is of a general nature and is not intended as specific advice about any given patient. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the doctor, not PodMD. If you do have a patient on whom you require specific advice, then please seek that advice from a colleague with appropriate expertise in the area. Deirdre, thanks for talking with us today on PodMD. The topic of today's discussion is menopause. Deirdre, can you give our listeners a medical definition of menopause? The definition of menopause is 12 months with no menstrual periods. Uh, And unfortunately, this is a retrospective definition. And it's very hard to tell a woman exactly at what point in time is that the last period and that is the onset of menopause because we can only tell after the 12 months has gone past. The symptoms of menopause are many and varied. And in fact, many women will start to have symptoms long before they completely stop menstruating and they'll have uh, variable symptoms across the perimenopause, which can be over several years. And that can be very distressing and annoying for women as well. So Deirdre... Talking about women who are having symptoms but whose menses haven't ceased, is there any way of knowing when someone is premenopausal? I'm often asked by patients, you know, can I do a test? How can I tell when the menopause is going to come or is this the menopause? And the answer is we really have no reliable test because hormone levels fluctuate from day to day and can be in the menopause range one day and the lady can ovulate the next day and have a menstrual cycle a couple of weeks following. So we haven't really got any biochemical tests that we use to diagnose menopause is based on history um, and the symptoms that the patient's presenting with. Um, Very few women have menopause before the age of 40 and that would be considered premature menopause and it's about 1% of women and we tend to manage them a little differently than we do the normal patient who's presenting between 45 and 55 with menopause symptoms. So how would a menopausal woman present to her general practitioner? What are the common symptoms? A lot of people um, are really troubled by their symptoms and they can be anything from hot flushes and night sweats, which are the ones we commonly expect. And those can certainly cause mood changes and irritability because they can cause people to lose a lot of sleep or have very broken sleep. Some people may present with aches and pains, itchy, crawling sensations in their skin, loss of libido, lots of varied things. And what are the management or treatment options for a woman going through menopause? It depends on the patient what really troubles them most. And I think that's a good starting point is to ask them, what is it that I can help you with? What is troubling you most about this situation? I feel that we are reluctant because of the history of the last 15, 20 years to initiate or offer women hormone therapy for menopause. And I think that reluctance is somewhat based in a misrepresentation of the studies and facts about the risks of menopause hormone therapy. The um, WHI trial, which really looked at an older population of patients than we would normally consider giving menopause hormone therapy to, still showed a reduction in all-cause mortality in women taking combined hormone therapy compared to the control group. Uh, And there was definitely a reduction in bowel cancer, endometrial cancer and hip fractures. And so that combined, you know, is quite reassuring to tell women that if you need hormone therapy to manage your symptoms and to improve your quality of life, that the overall 
picture is that we're not causing more women to die of complications of that. We're actually having a reduced reduction in mortality in that group of patients. It's also important to remember that across the perimenopause and into the menopause, these ladies still require contraception. And the risk of getting pregnant in, at 50 is about 1%. But unfortunately, those women who do get pregnant will mostly have miscarriages or gestational trophoblastic disease, which can be complicated to manage and distressing for them. I would certainly encourage any patient who has a Mirena IUD in situ uh, in the perimenopause not to take it out until we're well and truly through the menopause and we've exhausted its possibilities for use as part of their menopause hormone therapy. Uh, because if you are trying to change a patient onto hormone therapy and they're still occasionally ovulating, they're going to get periods and get breakthrough bleeding on their hormone therapy. The other trick for young players is to try and put a patient onto continuous hormone therapy too early in the piece. And again, they often get breakthrough bleeding and it leads to them needing to be investigated, uh, which is again a bit of a waste of resources and distressing for the patient if they're having hysteroscopy BNC done because they've had a period while on continuous hormone therapy or had breakthrough bleeding on continuous hormone therapy. So the normal recommendation is to not start continuous hormone therapy until they're two years postmenopausal. Deirdre, you mentioned looking at the specific symptoms that an individual woman presents with. Can you tell us a little bit about the first steps that someone might take in general practice in managing those common problems? For some women, reassurance that the hot flushes, night sweat type symptoms will subside for most people over time, uh, that reassurance can be very helpful. And we certainly offer behavioural and lifestyle advice as to you know things like caffeine intake, alcohol intake, exercise, how they dress um, to minimise the annoyance value of the hot flushes. Uh, there have been trials done of mindfulness therapy which haven't seemed to be as successful in terms of reducing the annoyance value. But for women with significant hot flushes that are distressing them day to day and reducing their quality of life or causing them to have irritability and uh, mood changes, I would certainly consider offering them hormone therapy because the key symptom is going to be vastly improved by starting some hormone therapy. Thanks, Deirdre. So talked there a little bit about managing the reasonably acute symptoms uh, at the onset of menopause, but what about the longer-term health risks, and in particular uh, long-term surveillance of that patient's health by the general practitioner? I would spend some time talking with the patient about other risks in terms of midlife health, uh, and I talk to patients and suggest that we really are trying to optimise their health going forward for the next 30 to 40 years because so many women live to be in their late 80s and mid-90s. Uh, and one of those things is managing bone density issues. Uh, and hormone therapy is certainly useful at reducing bone density loss in the first 5 to 10 years postmenopausally. And if you have higher bone density in your 60s, then you're probably going to be better off when you're in your 80s and 90s. There is no absolute need to start someone on hormone therapy immediately when they start developing symptoms. We would consider starting someone on hormone therapy within the first 10 years of menopause. So, you know, someone may have some hot flushes and night sweats and wait three months or six months or 12 months even to see how they go and whether they subside. And if they're still troubled by them at that point, you could still refer them or commence hormone therapy at that point. Thank you. Now, in this era, we can very often find useful information for our patients online. Are there any resources that you think are particularly worthwhile for menopausal women? I direct patients to two places to look for information on menopause management. Uh, and one of them is the Australian Menopause Society. 
and the other one is the Jean Hales website. And they both have downloadable information that's easy to read about what to expect, what the symptoms are, things that people can do to look after themselves, and the risks and benefits of various treatment, and including things to remind ourselves of about which patients are contraindicated to have hormone therapy. And if you have a patient that you feel is a little bit complicated and might have some contraindication or some cause for concern, you know, those are the patients which you can refer and we can see them and try and sort them out. Deirdre, thanks again for your time here today in the PodMD studio. Just to sum things up for our listeners, could you identify your three key take-home messages from your podcast about the menopause? My first message would be to discuss menopause symptoms with patients and listen to their concerns and see what we can help them with. Uh, My second would be not to be concerned about helping people by giving, offering them hormone therapy, if that's going to be appropriate. Uh, and my third message would be, um, if you're concerned or the patient's complicated or they're anxious about the risks and benefits of hormone therapy, that would be a good time to refer them to a specialist to discuss it further. And we better not forget that they all should have contraception for at least 12 months following menopause if they're over 50, or for two years following menopause if they're under 50 at the time of menopause. Deirdre, thanks again for your time and the insights that you've provided. Thank you very much, Sean.